I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. I'm young enough to still see the passionate boy that I used to be. But I'm old enough to say I got a good look at the other side. No, we gotta work real hard, maybe even for the rest of our lives. Right now, I just wanna take what I can get. Hello, hello, and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z. And yes, it's called A to Z for a reason. As today, we discuss the song no one remembers, and yet it was kind of a hit entitled The Night is Still Young. The issue, of course, is that the song The Night is Still Young isn't from any album. It's one of two songs released exclusively off Billy Joel's Greatest Hits Volume 1 and 2. It is always the final song off of that album, no matter how it's released, i.e. CD or DVD format or whatever. The Night is Still Young was the second single released off of that album and was released on October 5, 1985. The song peaked at number 34 on November 2nd, 1985, because if you wanted to make it to number one that month, well, good luck beating Jan Hammer and his Miami Vice theme. You didn't see that coming. I saw your face. No, I didn't. I thought you were going to mention Michael Jackson or Madonna. Nope. That's what makes it even more embarrassing. Jan Hammer? Jan Hammer. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's Jan Hammer. Who knows? Billy didn't stand a chance. Still, though, having a throwaway song off of a greatest hits album get into the top 40 is still telling of how much Billy Joel was adored. Now, I was going to say I can't imagine this song on any other albums, but... It does appear on 12 Gardens Live. There are two versions of this song. The single version, which is at uh, 4.08, and the album version, it's at a whopping 5 minutes and 27 seconds. Thank goodness they used the 4-minute version for the music video. Yes, there's a very strange music video for this song that explains nothing and combines (laughs) all of the fun elements of Allentown and the Downeaster Alexa rolled into one. <laughs> That's a great description. <laughs> Thank you. Except for the uh, James Bond Moonraker ripoff, jumping out of a plane without a parachute, this video is awful. But we do get to see young Billy Joel here, so we're all glad it exists. And remember, this is 1985. You don't release a song without a video, you're an idiot. <laughs> so... I'm sure Billy Joel once again said, eh, whatever the director wants is fine. So let's take a gander what the boys have for us today. Alon, where do you think Christopher Bonato's places this interesting yet forgettable song 
in the Billy Joel collection. Well, what Chris Bonanos likes to do with songs like this is he'll say, uh, you know, it's often forgotten, but actually not that bad. And so he'll probably put this somewhere kind of high, like 59. Well, you'd be way mistaken. <laughs> your your reasoning was completely wrong today, as many times it is right on the money. He puts it pretty much at the end at 97. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He just says an odd and unique one-off recording with Joel's voice multi-tracked, very typical big 80s sound with synths and echo that haven't aged well. And I think there's something to say about that. Glenn Gamboa is a little kinder to it, puts it at 74. Uh, I'm going to say what he says in the blurb in this time. The single from Joel's extraordinarily successful greatest hits collection is remarkable because the verses show the absolute floor of his lower register as he battles the dreariness of life on the road before letting his voice soar on the chorus when he sings about the hope he feels when he returns home. So to put such a glowing review and still kick it at 74, it's a little odd, but that is the situation we are dealing with, with the night is still young. I will tell you that I certainly remember when this song came out, I was very excited that I, first of all, I just found out that he wrote this song for the greatest hits album. It wasn't lying around. So that was a very interesting tidbit of information. I did not know. Mm -hmm. Now I, I, again, I don't know whether in this time period, whether people were doing that on purpose, you know, like when we talked about Hall and Oates the other day with their greatest hits album, did they make it for the greatest hits album or were they songs lying around? Uh, so, you know, that's so th that makes this song kind of extra special that he knew exactly that he was writing it. You know, what do you know about the, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. I just want to say I've remembered this song forever. You and I spoke even recently and said you you were not familiar with this song kind of the way i am about everything yeah i totally remember this song i remember it very well i remember not loving it but i liked it a lot yeah i was excited to be able to finally say your phrase which is i've never heard this song before in my life <laughs> <laughs> I, when i saw this on the list i was like uh, is this one of those unreleased tracks? I had no recollection of it. I maybe I must have heard it on the greatest hits before, but I don't remember it at all. I, well, you, I think it's you okay. Might, you might not have because if your dad was playing it in the car, this is the last song. And the odds of you taking, uh, I don't know how long the album is, it could be like two to four hours. The odds of you taking a trip that long. Yeah, that's I was thinking the same thing earlier today. I was like, how come we have not gotten here? But you're right. It's the very last song. We probably weren't on these long car rides like that. I think we generally would just listen to Greatest Hits 1 and not really get to, like, you know, Greatest Hits 2. Yeah. And this so, is definitely yeah, so, Greatest Hits 2. Yeah. You know, but it's cool. I, I think I would have remembered it if I had heard it a bunch of times because it sticks in your mind. It, that chorus, the soaring OOOs, like, yeah. it, it's catchy, actually. So I... Yeah, it goes. Yeah. You're right. I'm just sorry when you said it. I was like, I just remembered it all of a sudden. Forgot about yeah. that part. It's a it's a unique, weird sounding kind of song. Very different from a lot of other Billy Joel stuff. Not necessarily yeah. in a bad way. And there's some things about it I don't like. I do agree with Bananos that it does sound dated. It oh, sounds absolutely. very 80s to me. 
Well, I, you know, I love that goddamn little keyboard that comes in at the point that is totally 80s. I love that. I don't know, that nighttime like keyboard <laughs> that says nighttime. Uh, <laughs> Steve Winwood used it for mm-hmm. stuff that was to represent a nighttime feel. Uh, but if you're as creeped out by um, uh, want to keep making love to you, uh, then we would be on the same page. Yeah, I don't need to hear Billy Joel sing that phrase. Honestly, exactly. I, I was like, eh, but, you know, this is again, this is, this is a Christy Brinkley song. He was pr- either just about to get married or they had just gotten married. So he was really in his like lovey dovey kind of phase here. And he let us know that they were uh, sleeping together. Yes. Uh, but you and I, like you just said, and the rest of us don't need to know that Billy Joel is. We know they're, quote, making love. But uh, yeah, this these lyrics aren't made for Billy Joel. These are made for Mick Jagger or Rod Stewart more. Uh, and this that it is a disturbing lyric <laughs> <laughs> and which hence probably where the song didn't go a little further higher, maybe because the song itself you listening to the music. But that lyric is very clear because I think about it a lot. Yeah, well, even the first line of the song, I'm young enough to still see the passionate boy I used to be. <laughs> Sounds kind of funny. Although there's that Liberty DeVito interview where he I think he points this out as some of his favorite Billy Joel lyrics. He says it's the best lyrics he may have ever done. And his favorite line apparently ever in the history of the Billy Joel catalog is, but I'm old enough to say I got a good look at the other side. And that's his favorite line. It's so forgettable to me. But, uh, you know, look, Liberty, that's why he had to leave. I think he had some bad taste. (laughs) Well, I think the you know what what he's trying, I guess when you've been with somebody that long and they write all these lyrics, I guess he's saying, wow, this is kind of cool that he's making this transition song. You know, he's seen the youth and he's seen and he's talked about all that stuff. And now he's seeing how the other half lives being a little older. I I guess I guess that had something to do with it, too, that they'd known each other for so long and he was growing up and Liberty was probably a little impressed. Yeah, I guess so, because like an innocent man, it was sort of like a uh, what is it like a reversion back to his childhood and everything? And Liberty might have been thinking like, "All right, let's get out of this phase, Billy. Like, let's we're adults now. We're in our thirties, and now finally, maybe he saw that he was becoming more mature and talking about old man problems, which Liberty we know has had because he's been bald since the age of nineteen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, not in the longest time video. <laughs> yeah, right. It was like more hair piece. But you know, you y- you hit on something in the sense we know the nylon curtain was a maturing album for sure just the back cover would tell you alone but then like you said it reverts back to being a kid again and being in love with an innocent man you know an all happy go lucky album and so this song is probably the true transitional song into an adult because the next albums would be very mature especially the bridge it, you know that that is not a, a fun album it's you know and then after that there were no more fun albums it was all very just a, a person maturing and and looking back and really you know being 30 and just saying well it's over but then of course yeah. when you're a rock and roll star it is yeah but it's kind of funny because like one of the lyrics he talks about how like maybe he'll settle down and put his suitcase away like as if he's never going to tour again he's ready to settle down and then of course like right after this song he goes on these gigantic international tours for years so yeah, that didn't I last know, too long but but the but the thing with this guy is that he was obviously thinking it 
you know, all along. He was like, I got to stop. I, I mean, how many people do you know they say that in songs and then they do it? Yeah, okay. He was like, well, I'm being ridiculous now to stop now. Now I'm married to Christy Brinkley. I'm happy. Let's do a tour. But this might be it for me. I mean, it wasn't, but it was soon after. You know, I mean, it's just it's it's only 10 years later when he called it quits. Yeah. Well, even less than that, eight years later. Yeah. Less than that. So he was, you know, he had it in his mind. And like, you know, obviously at this point, which is just so weird after an innocent man, this this seems like the song where it all fell apart in a way, <laughs> uh, you know, where he's all like, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, the, the song we haven't spoken about yet is about suicide. So I I don't know. You know, It's like uh, even though he must have been happy at this time, it seems to have been a little sadness as well. Yeah. And it's also is a big transition because like we go from an innocent man and then these are the first new songs to come out since then. And all of a sudden he's like in his middle 80s kind of phase from like all this 50s music. All of a sudden it's like, oh, this is like the modern Billy Joel that no yeah. one had heard yet. Yeah. And uh, kind of shocking. God, you're right. You know, because the, uh, the look at the nylon curtain came out in 82. So we probably recorded in, you know, 81, which, you know, is almost part of the 70s. <laughs> And then an innocent man is all fifties tunes, and you're right. This is the first, well, even though this is the second song released of the greatest hits. This, these two songs are his first endeavor truly into the eighties, because I don't think we would consider Pressure or Allentown eighties songs. You know, songs that we know to be eighties like songs. What do you think about the way he sings this whole thing of like his like high pitched voice being like him as a young guy and then his like low gravelly voice like underneath it being him as an old guy? I, I, right. I found that gravelly voice very off putting. I agree 100 percent. It doesn't fit in the song at all. But that's the gag is that the higher voice represents the younger version of the man and the lower voice represents the older version. He said he thought of this in a dream. He says it's a personal song and no way around it. He says it was a quick writing song like the an Innocent Man album. He said this just came to him really quickly, but that's the at least in this one he says it's a personal song. That's I like that. He's like it's a personal song. He's not beating around the bush like Billy the Kid. No, it's, it's not about me. That guy yeah. from Oyster <laughs> Bay. That's no. You, you got you guys aren't looking at it the right way. No, at least he admits this is a personal song. So I like that. Yeah, he's not like oh yeah that line where I say I want to keep making love to you. That's about a, a bartender I know. Yeah, exactly. No, no, that's not about us. Uh, uh, but you know, why? I mean, again, you know, how you not writing a song about this? I just saw Christy Brinkley on the Nick Cannon show, and she still looks unbelievable. <laughs> and that's a bad show. Don't watch that. I that's his talk it. show. Yes, that guy needs to be put away. He's he bad stinks. news. Yeah. Meanwhile, hearing this live on the Twelve Gardens live album. I say, why not bring it out? It's kind of packs a punch live. Yeah, those soaring vocals actually work. It's got a very, I don't know, gospel-y kind of, yeah. it, 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 it moves you a little bit. It it works in an arena, I think. Surprisingly, yeah. Yeah. But he hasn't done it live too much. Uh, for 12 Gardens Live, that was like a period of time where he did it five times in 2006 and then never again. Hmm. So overall, he's played it seven times, twice in 87, five times in 2006, and that's it. And that's it, huh? Boy, that's weird. That's weird. God, you know, there we are again. Just be like, why not? What, what, are you, what are you doing? Why are you playing the same songs over and over again? I mean, I know there's a couple times where he plays, you know, deeper cuts, but I just don't get it. 
I don't get why he wouldn't want to take out an old song and like the way he redoes my life that uh, Kyle Donegan was telling us and we found he just made a new little twist on it. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't a, an accomplished musician like that be bored and want to kind of tinker? You, you can't tinker with the classics because people will be upset, even though he did tinker with my life. And we like it better. <laughs> but I'm saying you tinker with a song like this. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And also, like, you could tinker with it by getting rid of the gravelly voice, just using his old his current old man voice is fine. It's like in the middle range. Good point. And uh, also the way he sings these verses, I think he could fix up a little bit. They're so mumbly. You don't even know what he's saying. Yeah, I I agree. A hundred percent. Wait, he sounds like Michael McDonald. Yeah, he's just doing (laughs) Winkin, Blinkin and Nod. This is very clearly a copy of Winkin, Blinkin and Nod. I mean, this is such a strange lyrics, like you said. It's like, um, I'd like to settle down, get married, and maybe have a child someday. I can see time coming when I'm going to throw my suitcase out. No more separations where you have to say goodnight to a telephone. Baby, I've decided that ain't what this life is all about. I don't recognize those lyrics with the melody. They sound so out of place when you're saying it like that. Right. It barely rhymes. And it's just these long, like stream of consciousness kind of sentences. That's why he wrote it quickly, because he didn't have to put a lot of work into it. He just wrote what he was thinking. and didn't have to worry about like rhyme structure or anything like that. But here is the clear personal thing. Rock and roll music was the only thing I ever gave a damn about. There was something I was missing, but I never used to wonder why. Now I know you're the one I needed to make things right again. And I may lose the battle, but you're giving me the will to try. And of course, that didn't last very long because he lost the battle. Uh, but it's kind of funny. He just has all these songs. So it's got Christy Brinkley in this one. And then it's about Alexa Ray in the second one. You know, it's just like, shut up. Just talk about uh, cocaine and champagne and <laughs> chips. Of course. How could I? How rude of me to forget about that? Yeah. But, uh, you know, who cares? It's still uh, the guy still, even if the lyrics are bad, the music is still good. The melody's all there. And just for a second, let's talk about this really awful video. <laughs> These two actors, this this model guy who could look a little like David Duchovny, uh, you know, never to be seen again. I mean, this this is what you did in the 80s. You just hired jerk offs, pretty much male models. I mean, look at I mean, this is weird. Most acts hired super hot girls to be in the videos. But Billy Joel just hired just like in Allentown models. (laughs) <laughs> like good looking boys like it's weird <laughs> you know it's like i think it's the same cast this is like the same blue collar workers who used to be at the steel mill or now working on a submarine or yeah, whatever right, they're doing right exactly it's really weird he's like yeah we'll get a couple of good looking boys and uh you know just take off their shirts or they'll be in tight fitting shirts and it's just so weird and then they have that make out scene at the end which goes on way too long yes I have notes on that. It is a long makeout. I mean, imagine if they did the full version of the song, like a five and a half minute oh version. Oh my God, it right? Two and a half minutes of makeout. Yeah. And that makeout, you know, they're going at it, but there's no tongue. So I don't think no, that relationship's going to no, last. It's, it's not even sexy. Yeah. It's not It's not a sexy make. In fact, that guy's probably gay. And, you know, that's that why, yeah, that's why it's not believable. It doesn't look yeah. like a real makeout. Well, again, just like he used in, uh, what was the other video we talked about with that gay guy is trying to pick up, ch- tell her about it. When he's that clear guy that, it, at least if he's not gay, he's very effeminate. And we're not buying that he was picking, trying to pick up a girl. <laughs> yeah. Now, what the video is totally missing, and I think the reason why you think it sucks, is that there is no double take. Oh, my God, you're right. God, I hate when he does something serious like that. 
They did the same thing with Allentown. No goddamn double take. Yeah, every Billy Joel video should have a double take. And he was trying to be serious at this because at the end of it, it says copyright 1985, William Joel. Oh, God. Like, just write Billy. Come on. Still, though, it's cool that, like, you know, saying in 85, being young, looking good, he's driving that truck and everything. I mean, at least he's in the video. He could have completely phoned these two videos in. And, you know, which a lot of people did for their greatest hit songs. I don't even know whether there's a say it isn't so or adult education video. No, I think there's an adult education, but I don't I don't know whether they did. I mean, again, that's 1985. So you have to make a video. But a lot of people just didn't give a shit. And this is a you know, it's a big structured video. It, it, it is. It's a big to do. It probably cost a lot of money. Yeah. Interesting special effects. There's that scene where they're like after you said after they fall out of those. They're skydiving without a parachute, then they're kind of falling through a building, and you see like the building moving up. It's kind of there's no strings. It's kind of cool. I think yeah, maybe they had fun. the people kind of floating there, stationary, and then they move the building itself. Yeah, I like. It was that. one of those cool tricks. Well, I, yeah, I remember there's a, a classic one in The Odd Couple <laughs> that anybody could see, where Felix is trying to explain to Oscar how great New York is. It's just kind of relevant now. It's really funny, and they go on the subway in the TV show, which is filmed before a live audience on the stage. And I've never seen anything like this in TV before they get on the subway, the subway doors, doors close and the subway kind of takes off. And basically they're only moving the backdrop. Uh-huh. So it turns into darkness and the audience applauds because they were very <laughs> minor special effects, which completely worked. And the audience just applaud. It's applause break for the set design. That's really funny. It's like it's, watching a Broadway show where you're it's like, wow, exactly like watching that. a Broadway show. It's fantastic. It's very entertaining. Gary Marshall's actually in that scene. You know, the guy who, you know, probably came up with the plan, but it's, uh, it's, it's like watching a play and it's cool when they uh, do something so simple and yet it, you know, you're like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, I like that kind of practical stuff. Sometimes they'll show videos online of um, like silent movies, like some old Buster Keaton movie, which also has like crazy special effects. And they show you how they did it. It's all perspective. And this right. is before there was any he modern pretty much stuff. invented that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was he was the man. Not only did he do his own stunts, but he also invented, you know, before there was CGI, he was doing it like, well, there's got to be a way to do this without computers. What's a computer? You'll find out. Are you saying he was from the future? Meanwhile, the guy that directed this video, it, he, his dad was a huge commercial director. His guy's dad is Neil Tardio, I think. But it's Neil Tardio Jr. who got to direct the video, not his dad, who would have been probably better. His dad, the guy who directed this video, The Night is Still Young, that guy's dad kind of invented the Super Bowl commercial, like the hilarious this is going to be an event commercial he's credited for inventing the super bowl commercials that the thing that they are today wow and one of them is uh what i think it's a mcdonald's commercial with jason alexander way before you know as him as his when he was a broadway star dancing and singing about the new mcdlt sandwich i've seen that yeah uh so this guy's dad directed that 
Say you're getting tired of lettuce and tomato hamburgers in this town that don't quite make it. Yeah! You say that just once you'd like your hamburger hot and your lettuce and tomato cool and crisp all at the same time. Yeah! Well, I say you got it. I'm talking McDonald's new lettuce and tomato hamburger, the McDLT. I'm talking quarter pound of beef on the hot, hot side. And the hot stays hot. The new McDLT. Hot, hot. Crisp lettuce and tomato on the cool, cool side. And the cool. Stays cool. The new McDLT. Cool crisp. The beef stays hot. The cool stays crisp. Put it together, you can't resist. The hottest taste. The coolest dish. Keep it hot, hot. Keep it cool, cool. McDLT. McDLT. Hot beefy McD. Cool crisp LT. McD. LT. It's a good time. Hot beefy McD. For the great taste. Cool crisp LT. Of McDonald's. Could be the best tasting lettuce and tomato hamburger ever. New McD. But this guy really did nothing except, ironically, marry super hot Tia Leone, which is exactly what Billy Joel did. This he guy married... should not be marrying somebody so hot. <laughs> this guy married Tia Leone? Yeah. How did you find all this information about Neil Tardio? <laughs> because that's my favorite part of the show, finding out, you know, <laughs> a, a director and finding out what else they did is I'd prefer more than finding out about the lyrics or anything because it's always fascinating going down the rabbit hole and you know seeing all that other stuff but the Taylioni she was she, very sexy yeah I like her she could have changed her name to Taya Tardio yeah yeah T hey TT <laughs> hey TT Junior I was surprised that uh you know he wanted to work with somebody with the with with Junior at the end you know because of Artie Rip Junior <laughs> Well, Billy Joel had no problem with Artie Rip Jr. He had a problem with his dad, Artie Rip. As far yeah, as he knew, Artie Rip Jr. was just a fun little uh, kid in the neighborhood. Yeah, but eventually he would show his true colors as being a rip. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do we know this about him? He seems like an okay guy. Who knows? I don't know. I'm, I don't trust him. I don't, it's like the Weber family. Come on. How can you go into a, a family event if we know the Weber family stinks? I know yes. you're all going to bring up that one sister again, but just forget it, Alon. They stink. Billy Joel won't even use Weber grills. <laughs> They're like the, the Hitler family. They all changed their name. <laughs> yeah. Remember I told you that story about Pete Hitler? I think he was living in Long Island. And no. he, like he changed his name. He got there was a story on it 60 minutes years ago. I'll never forget it because it was the funniest thing. He was close to getting married like two or three times. And he was just on like, yeah, I don't know why. And I'm like, you don't know why. Because finally, when he got to the altar, he's like, listen, there's one thing I should probably tell you before we do this. <laughs> I don't know what happened that she just ran away. <laughs> <laughs> well, my grandfather may have been. <laughs> there's rumors. <laughs> You'll hear some things. Well, wouldn't you know? Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to be polite. <laughs> so you're Pete Hitler. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah he's like maybe i'll take your last name i'm very progressive <laughs> my friend gareth did that we were just talking about him the other day he he changed his name to gareth his name was gareth lee all grown up i know since elementary school and he changed his name legally to gareth funkily he married a girl named funka i don't know i think she's asian because he liked it sounded funny funkily nope to be that kind of guy way before anybody ever thought of doing that to be that progressive of course all of us thought it was well, gay. Uh, yeah, understand. Because, because this was twenty years ago or, or fifteen years ago, and 
you know, we're like, ah, come on, be a man. That's why I continue to call your wife, Sarah, Wright. We're yeah. going to call you Elon Wright from now on. Oh, uh, you could do that. That'd be kind of fun. New identity well, so, for me. It's a whole new world. Well, it's really funny. I used to call, uh, I used to know this girl, Jamie Painter. She was the editor in chief of Backstage West. She married this guy. I can't remember his name, but let's say it was Bobby. And I used to call him Bobby Painter. And he used to get so upset about it. And I'm like, what are you kidding? Who gives a crap? What's the matter with you? <laughs> he, he felt it was so degrading somehow. And I was like, why are you with this guy? Look at this guy getting upset because I'm calling him your last name. Yeah, but it's because it's you. It's when it's coming from you, like you get under people's skin that way. If anyone else called him that, he'd be like, oh, that's funny. When you do it, he's like, that just go. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> oh, you got me there. He's as dumb as a pig in shit. That's from um Hee-haw. No, Casino for some reason. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I went way out of my way to be very helpful and courteous to that kid. He's weak. He's incompetent. He jeopardizes the whole place. There's not much more I can do for him. You have got me there. <laughs> Old Don is as useless as tits on a boar. <laughs> but he is my brother-in-law. Anywho. <laughs> oh, so we were talking, well, this episode we've been mentioning Hall and Oates a couple times. And also when we did that song, I didn't make the greatest hits that uh, tell her you're in love or tell them you're in love. Oh, was we that said- made for the greatest hits? He, we think originally he wrote it oh, yeah. to be on the greatest hits, but then didn't right. put it okay, on. Good. And that was yeah. so, so Hall and Oatsy. I think this song is also very Hall and Oatsy because to me, the way the verses are is kind of like she's gone. Oh my God, you're so right, 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 with the low register. Sorry, Charlie, for the imposition. I think I got, got, I got the strength to carry on. Yes, you're right. When you first said that, I'm like, no, this doesn't sound like Hall and Oates to me, but you're right. That's the thing you were imitating before. You're absolutely right. That is. Yeah, it's uh, the way way they sing it like low, mumbly, quickly. Yeah. God, he was obsessed with Hall and Oates during this time period. But again, as we explained, and that that uh, tell them tell them you're in love or whatever the, the name of the song is. Everybody was. I mean, they were the hottest band on the planet. They were bigger than Billy Joel, which we, we can't believe, but it's true. Somehow That's one it's of the true. things you tell your kids. You're, you're whatever you know. You're listening to adult education, or no, you're listening to adult education. That song, and you're like, no, you don't understand. These guys were like the biggest on the planet, and everybody would be like, wait, with. With this song, this song, <laughs> adult education. Adult. 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 Yeah, but it was a big song because they were so big. If yeah. they weren't that big, that song never would have gone anywhere. But because of their past stuff, people are like, I love this song. Adult. Educate, educate, educate.
I, I fell for it too. Song. I told you. I fell for it too. We were playing it in the car. I told you while we were driving. Hey, let's hit it. I mean, I'd give anything to depict me in the 80s driving with these two girls in college and having our arms in the air through the moon roof that we call the girl. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Don't education. And like playing that while some guys got like a, like a rap song playing in the other car. We're like, yeah, adult education. Yeah, you both you nod your head car to car like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, what are you guys playing? Hall and Oates rule. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how goddamn popular they're. So that's interesting that you say that now, boy. They had Hall and Oates on the brain. Yeah, it also you know what I felt when I was listening to this also was that like the way the verses go kind of blends into. I, I started singing like Lady in Red in my head. Oh, like, really? That I didn't. I like to settle down, get married, maybe have a child someday. Lady in red. <laughs> Just kind of like goes together. Dancing with me. Cheek to cheek. But that song came out after this. Later. later. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I, I The only reason I figured that out was because it's in Working Girl. And that was 86, 87. So how do you like that? <laughs> that's the yeah. way I uh, figure out when songs are written. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, she dances with Alec Baldwin in that. So weird that Alec Baldwin's in that movie. He's such a mess. <laughs> young Alec Baldwin. Well, young Alec Baldwin's goddamn awesome. I mean, I think old Alec Baldwin's pretty okay too, but he's weird. But young Alec Baldwin was the shit. Yeah, Beetlejuice Alec Baldwin. That's great. Yeah. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? All right. Well, you know, it's more like... um a can you believe it more than a stumper okay so because i'm loving talking about songs that were put on greatest hits albums unlike billy joel there's three that come to mind that become staples of the band or individual like staples like he you know billy joel can get away with never playing the night is still young or you're only human for the rest of his life and nobody will ever care Mm-hmm. But then, so the first one you mentioned on a recent podcast, which is 1993's Mary Jane's Last Dance off Tom Petty's Greatest Hits album. Yeah. Which when I went to see him on his last tour, would no, didn't know it was going to be his last tour, but he died. He definitely played. And everybody was excited and everybody's hoping to hear it. And that's unbelievable, right? I mean, I love that shit that, that, that people like playing up the greatest hits. So that's why I'm fascinated. So the second one, is also Paul Simon's 1977 greatest hits album. Do you think you could name it? It's a it's a Paul Simon classic, but I had no idea it was off his greatest hits. Uh, okay, I'll just throw out a guess. Kodachrome? No, but isn't that a good guess? Because doesn't that seem like a song that should just be a throwaway on a greatest hits album? Yeah. Uh, no, all right, no. I'll guess again. Me and Julio. No, no, that's too good to be. A, a throwaway. I don't have a good it. sense with Paul Simon's catalog. Yeah, of like yeah, when no, songs I know. So I, I understand 100%. Me neither. It's slip sliding away. Believe we're gliding down the highway when in fact we're slip sliding away. Slip sliding away. 
slip sliding away You know the nearest destination Oh, you slip sliding away Slip sliding away Slip sliding away Oh, really? And that's like a staple that went to number five yeah, he, he he put two two new songs off of that album, just like Billy Joel. But yeah, that number was "Slip Sliding Away" is a Paul Simon classic. But the ultimate one, which again you can't picture this band again, they'd storm the stage if they didn't play it. It's from 1978, and it is off of the best of Earth, Wind, and Fire Volume One. Okay, September. Exactly. Well done. They put that one and that awesome version of Got to Get You Into My Life on their greatest hits album. So they did one cover and one brand new one, which became their signature song. And that is off a greatest hits album. Which is so perfect because they don't have to release a new greatest hits. It's already on their greatest hits. Yeah. Isn't that unbelievable? That's crazy. I'm surprised by that. I was surprised by that, too. That's why I thought it was an excellent trivia question. You learn something new every day on yeah. Billy Joel A to Z. <laughs> Do you have one for me, Alon? Yeah. Okay. So my trivia question is, what female rapper had a 2015 hit slightly higher on the Hot 100? It peaked at number 31 with a song of the same name, The Night is Still Young. A female rapper, 2015. 2015. Uh, Mary J. Blige? <laughs> no. I don't even know if she's a rapper. Um, Queen Latifah? No, I'm just, <laughs> just thinking of the equalizer. I don't. Oh, Nicki Minaj? That's correct. Really? Yeah, wow. I'm actually surprised you got that. I know, right? Because I'm an old man and I don't know any female rappers. But I guess, you know, she's you know pretty I, popular. I had a good hint for you, though. If you didn't get it right away, I was going to say she before she became a famous rapper, she was a waitress at a Red Lobster in the Bronx. Oh, that would. And I thought maybe you might have gone there a lot. So, you know. well, not in the Bronx, dummy. I told you <laughs> how I never go to the Bronx. Neither does Billy Joel. That's a, that's a horrible place. You can you can sing about Brooklyn and oh no, he does use the Bronx, right? Oh no, he says the Yankees. Does is Miami twenty seventeen? Does he say the Bronx? Oh, they yeah. blew the Bronx away. They blew the Bronx away. Yeah, exactly. And that is exactly what they should do. What they should have done in twenty seventeen. That is a horrible place. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm not going to get you a gift card to that Red Lobster. Then. Well, you can get me a gift card to Red Lobster, just not the one in the box. No, it's only good at one location. Come on, man. I've been to one in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> I really have. I went with Tiffany because it was Lobster Fest. All you can eat? Duh. Alon, I can't even imagine a parody for this song. What does Weird Alon have for us today? Oh, boy. It's going to be brutal. Okay, so this one's called Tonight I'll Steal Rum. Oh, good for you. Tonight I'll Steal Rum. Rum yeah. like rum punch or rum the liquor. Yeah, rum like the liquor. All right, well, listen, I don't care. <laughs> Whatever you got, I'm sure is fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even want to sing this one. I'm young enough to know that a fake ID won't get me into the bar. But I'm old enough to say that I really want to have a drink. Oh, 
I know the liquor store down the street doesn't have functional security cams. So right now I'm going in to take what I can get tonight. Whoa. Well, tonight I'll steal rum. <laughs> I'm going to drink Bacardi with you because tonight I'll steal rum. Oh Don't got to drink beer no more because tonight <laughs> I'll steal rum. Gonna have Captain Morgan and me because tonight I'll steal rum. <laughs> hey now. I can't do this. That's all I got. <laughs> I think that's fine. Um, I can't believe you didn't go with it. Oh, <laughs> it was beautiful that you got went right to the chorus. It was the right thing to do. I'm sitting here going like, I don't even think Paul Lauren can make something of this. It's nobody's fault. This is not the song anybody would choose to parody if they were going to do it. Well, the beauty of it is this, this is not on an album. Paul Lauren will never be asked to do this because it's not going to be in any album wrap up. What are you talking about? We're totally wrapping up volumes one, two and three. Oh, God, wouldn't that be awful? No, yeah, that's really bottom of the barrel. Good point. We never have to sit through this again. So I think we did pretty good on a song that uh, everyone is pretty much tepid about. I mean, this could have been an unreleased track for all. I think all of our listeners care. Yeah, it's a nice song. It's forgettable. It's got a nice chorus. The end. Meanwhile, now when I get off, I want to listen to it again. So <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yeah, it's going to be in my head for the next three weeks. Well, definitely that. But this uh, it's it's in my head. A lot, a lot. I, I think I get, you know, how I always tell you how I have lines in my head that I go around singing sometimes in the shower, sometimes in the kitchen. And there's certain lines from certain songs like um, the, the one we just did from Stormfront. Um, That's not her style or even uh, there's a Stormfront coming and just those lines. And then I don't sing the rest of the song. I don't hum the rest of the song. I get it out of my head. Yeah, you know, like like an earworm somehow. But this one's always like, I think it's always like, I'm gonna make love to you, world of night is to you. I wanna keep making love to you, world yeah. night to you. Oh, it's definitely there. I had forgotten about the whoa, but um, yeah, that part sticks in my head. Well, folks, that was the night is still young. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Can you believe Liberty praised these lyrics? Would you like to hear Billy dust this off at a live show? Maybe. Are you surprised Earth, Wind & Fire's best song is from their greatest hits album? I can't believe that. And does the I'm gonna keep making love to you line creep you out a little bit? <laughs> Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Billy Joel A to Z.